All right, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew 4, we're going to get some scriptures here. Zach is going to read Matthew 4, 5 and 6, verse 5 and 6. Uh, <coughs> Brian reads Psalm 105, 19. Jonathan, read for me Isaiah 49, 2. Uh, Eli, Matthew 4, 6. Nathan, read 1 Corinthians 3, 12. Um, read for me Matt, 2 Kings 5, 26. And somewhere in there... We have Andy read uh, Matthew 4, 9. 4, 9. How many do we have left here? Caleb, Matthew 16, 24. Um, Robert, read for me Matthew 4, 7. And uh, final one, Anthony, read for me Matthew 4, 14. Okay, we started in our last uh, lesson. We're going to look just at, out of Matthew 4, the temptations of ministry. And that is that the Bible records uh, before Jesus began to minister, He was tempted. And there are some temptations here uh, that we're going to look at. This is the second of them. We're going to talk about pinnacle dangers. Matthew 4, 5 and 6. Then the devil took Him up into the holy city... Uh, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Okay, pinnacle dangers. Let's talk about challenging our validity. So, the, uh, the scripture talks of, revolves around the will of God. And uh, the will of God has to do with what God has chosen for us. Uh, what we're called to be and to do for, uh, for God. This has to do with present usefulness, what you're supposed to do right now, and of course it has to do with uh, our uh, ultimate purpose. So, if God has things planned for your life, which we know He does, two things that we have to consider uh, about that that make this a temptation, and we'll look at the temptation in a minute, but number one, the will of God involves time. So, God has a plan. This is what I want to happen in your life. You have to understand, built into that is time. And uh, so, it, it takes time to be prepared for God's will. The, the scripture we're reading, the reason why we're looking at it, Jesus is 30 years old. 30 years go, have gone by. He has not ministered publicly even one time. But now it's time for, uh, uh, for him to do that. Uh, Psalm 105.19. Did I give that out? Yeah. You did? Okay. Until the time came, his word came to pass, and the word of the Lord tested him. Okay, this is talking about Joseph in Psalm 105. You know that when he's 17, he has this uh, uh, dream, uh, God's plan for his life. <coughs> and so, this is talking about the fact that he is... 
uh, sold into slavery, goes to prison, all the different things that happened to him. And the Bible says here, until the time that the Word came. So in other words, God planned, revealed it at 17. That's when He knew about it. But it is years, uh, off the top of my head, it's like another 23 years before uh, this is actually going to come to pass. And so it involves time. Then, the will of God, secondly, involves a process. So, not only does it take time to be prepared to do God's will, is we have to be prepared. There has to be work done to get us ready for usefulness. Isaiah 49.2 And he has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand he has hidden me, and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver he has hidden me. Okay, the, uh, in this uh, scripture, it's a great scripture, it says two times the word made. He made me. And if you, you can go into it in your own time, uh, it's talking about the, the making of an arrow and a long process. They had no machinery. So this is handcrafting, working on to straighten, to smooth, to uh, remove um, elements. And so this is true. God plans... It takes time, and the reason why it takes time is he has to go to work on us. He's working on our, our character, motivations, our people skills, our lack of wisdom, all these kinds of things to get us to the point where now we can minister effectively for him. So, because of those two things, the devil assaults us. He assaults the time and the process of the will of God. Verse 6, Matthew 4, 6. And said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give His angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Okay, if you are the Son of God. So he's introducing doubt into the equation, and this is what makes it uh, a temptation. So, in your current situation, think about this. He has not ministered. He's 30 years old, has not ministered one time. He, has, he hasn't pulled an altar call, preached in the concert scene, preached a sermon, nothing. And so it's because of that. Why? Because the will of God takes time the will of God involves a process. The devil says, if. If you be the Son of God. So, in other words, is are you really valid if you're not getting attention? That's, that's the first part of the equation. If you're not getting the spotlight, if you don't get the microphone, are you really valid? If you be a real disciple, if you really have a, a call of God, and, and uh, this has to do with uh, in, in discipleship, what this is, uh, every disciple has to wrestle with this. What if I do something right and the pastor doesn't know about it? What if I'm doing the right thing and he has no idea? What if he's like oblivious? Man, I'm. I'm I'm seeking God, I'm fasting, I'm witnessing. And what if the pastor doesn't even know? So am I a real disciple then? <clears throat> so maybe I should give him daily updates. <laughs> pastor, have you read my blog? <laughs> <clears throat> and then, of course, if you uh, 
uh, if you do become a, a pastor, if that's what God has for you, I can tell you this is, this is one of the great uh, uh, attacks that the devil will make sure when you're pioneering. Pioneering is, there is nobody there. You go to a city, there is no one there. And I can tell you that the devil has sent numbers of uh, religious uh, uh, tick-turned people that come and and uh, and is in in South Africa. You know, here we are. We're 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 banging it out. We're trying to get something going. I'm meeting in a funky little hall. I left an established church and we're we're starting again. And this religious guy comes in and he looks around down his nose, which definitely needed smacking. And he where's all the people? Well, this is, this is what the devil, he was the voice of hell in that moment, is, in other words, what kind of, are you a real church? If you're struggling here because it's, it's time and a process to build a work for God, if you be a real pastor, if you be a real church. So, apparently you're not getting a lot of attention here. Then, of course, are you successful? This is the second part of the, the temptation. Are you successful if you have to wait? So Jesus has waited 30 years for the will of God to unfold. And so the problem is we equate, in, in, in modern terms, we equate waiting with being a loser. And there are people who's like, man, what kind of loser am I? I don't even have a wife yet. What kind of loser am I? I don't even have, a, I'm not even a Bible study leader yet. What kind of loser am I? Because of the waiting process, the devil uh, uh, assaults this. That there must be something wrong with you or there must be something wrong with God because why else would you have to wait? If you know that God wants you to do something and you're waiting for it, Hello? Doesn't that make you a loser? You're not very good at this then. Or, God must not be very good at it. Or you wouldn't have to wait. Okay, let's talk, secondly, at taking a leap. So, the devil takes him to the pinnacle of the temple. This Scholars say this is the southeast corner of the temple. It was built right on the edge of the, of the Kidron Valley. And so, uh, he... he it was, if you jumped off, which is what the devil wants him to do, they say it was 70 feet to the, uh, the courtyard, or it was right on the edge of a cliff, right on the edge of a valley there. That would be 450 uh, feet. And so the devil's answer, okay, think about what he's assaulting, the time and the process. And the devil's answer is leap off. Okay. Uh, Matthew 4 9. And saith unto him, All these things I will give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Whoa, I gave you the wrong one. Try instead, uh, try six. I'm sorry, Anthony. And saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up. Okay, yeah, that's the one. Alright, so, the devil's answer is. And here's the temptation. Jump. You should jump. And he's saying here, if you jump, then the angels will, uh, they'll, they'll catch you. You won't get hurt. You'll, you'll float. So, what 
the temptation is all about is about taking shortcuts. So, the time factor, you're a loser if you're having to wait. You're not getting attention. So, he's suggesting a plan that he can, in a moment, suddenly get attention (coughs) and now can begin to minister powerfully. In other words, you're going to stand on the edge of the temple, there's... You know, hundreds of people that are milling, depends on what time of year, maybe even thousands of people milling in the courtyard. Hey, everybody, watch this. They're going to, oh my God, he's going to jump. And he would jump. They're going to, oh, he's going to die. And then he would float down. And they all go, whoa. They're Americans. They would go, dude. I have no idea what Jews would say. <laughs> Oy vey, there you go. <laughs> so, <coughs> in a moment, you now are, you can take a shortcut. And that is what the temptation is all about. So, this is for, for every believer, definitely for every disciple and every pastor, the temptation is to take a shortcut Take a path that is faster and easier. That is always the strategy of hell. 1 Corinthians 3.12 Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw. Um, Do you want me to continue that? No, that's fine. That's all I need. So, the foundation here is talking about building a life, or we could say building a ministry, or building a church. And he says, you could build out of... (coughs) differing materials. Gold would be very expensive. It would be a very difficult uh, uh, to obtain. And then he says that he goes on down through stone, wood, and then he talks about hay and stubble. This is something you could go and gather quickly. This would be cheap. It would not be expensive to go gather up some weeds and you know put them in some mud and make some bricks it would not be it wouldn't take you a lot of time it wouldn't be very expensive so he's saying that is what people choose to build their life in that way what's fastest what's easiest so in discipleship then what the devil wants is he wants us to bypass the character issue the temptation here is What you need to do is be seen and impress people. If you can get people to look at you, you will be a success. If you can impress, if you can cause people to go, wow, you're going to be a success instead of, you know, that's something you can do quickly. Instead of, working on your character, developing your skills, you know, building some foundations in your life. He wants us to bypass character, simply to impress. When I went to South Africa, I uh, started doing canned music. The reason why is is uh, all of the pastors in South Africa at that time told me about how they had, in desperation for musicians, had gotten in musicians and discovered that they were you know, adulterers, fornicators, homosexuals, and, and cause them all kinds of uh, problems. So these are people who, I, I would have people come and say, hey, we'll, we will be your worship team. We, we got it. We got keyboard, drum, we got, everybody, we're ready. We're ready to come to the potter's house. 
So their idea of ministry was, let us be seen. And that's, that is a temptation of ministry, is, is if, if people can see me, if I can perform, but never deal with character issues, heart issues, people skills. The temptation also is to bypass the time factor. So the, the, this works out in numbers of different ways in, in discipleship. We, we can be tempted to lift ourselves up by trying to kick other people down. In the uh, uh, record in the Gospels of the disciples, we read that they were, were battling among themselves about who's the greatest. This is, this is often a, uh, a mistake that disciples make is... I will look better if I can make somebody else look bad. So I've got to tell people something bad about someone. Say, yeah, 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 you know, you think he's a good guy, but let me tell you the truth. So what you're doing there is you're trying to take a shortcut. That, that's, that's the foolishness of thinking you make your house look better if you trash your next door neighbor. Your house is your house. <clears throat> you know, dude, if you're living in a trailer... Uh, doesn't become a mansion because you trash the next door neighbor. But but that's the mistake of envy. I'm going to tell you something bad about somebody else, therefore I'm getting ahead. But that's a shortcut mentality. That's leaping from the pinnacle of the temple. Then another way this works out in discipleship is is aiming at prosperity first instead of prioritizing God and the will of God and letting God... Uh, bless us. Second Kings 5.26 Then he said to him, Did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Is it time to receive money and to receive clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male and female servants? Okay, so in discipleship, <clears throat> a man who hears from God that uh, God wants him to do something, there, he has a plan for his life. This is often one of the simple battles is... I would like to do that, but I really would like, uh, I would like to prosper. There's stuff I need to buy. There's, there's stuff I want to drive. There's all kind of, and so the problem is sometimes those are competing interests. The only way that you can prosper now is to take a job, take extra jobs that suck up all your time. I can't be involved. I can't uh, uh, do the will of God. I can't be involved with people. I can't study. I can't pray. But I'm making money. I'm doing well. I want to do the will of God. Well, what you're doing is you are putting prosperity first. That's a shortcut. It may take longer to prosper if you put. When I went out to pasture, it was it was years. Lisa and I were <laughs> dirt poor for years. Meanwhile, I had friends and, and uh, family members that they were prospering. And it's like, oh man, and here I am, I'm doing the will of God, getting people saved, changing people's lives, and, but there's people that they're buying stuff, man. So I had to take the long route in order for God to, uh, to bless. Then, then, of course, you can be tempted as a disciple to move ahead of what God is doing, and, and uh, sometimes this, this comes. And so, in, uh, fortunately, this doesn't happen a lot, it depends on where you are and what your skill set is, but... Uh, we have had disciples that they get offers from other churches. It's like, you have a talent. Why don't you come? 
why are you doing that at the potter's house and they only let you play once in a while? You can come to our church. We'll pay you. And you can play every week. I don't get it. That shouldn't be a hard choice. So, to move ahead of what God is doing. In, in third world countries, we have, we have uh, interpreters. that They're good at interpreting. And God has a call on their life. They're going to someday do the will of God. And then they get somebody offer them, hey, we'll pay you to come interpret for it. You can be right now. That's a shortcut. And then, of course, finally, the final temptation, of course, would be if you're, if you're pastoring, if you're building a church, the devil will tempt you with shortcuts. And so one of the simple shortcuts of pastoring is, why don't you just get in a bunch of religious people? Why don't you get people from other churches? Fill your church. They already, they're together. They got money. Many of them uh, have talent. Why don't you just build your church out of that? That's a shortcut. Instead of... Right? Building on converts is, is, uh, is time-consuming. You've got to work with them. Their life is messed up. You've got to go with them to court. You know, they're overcoming addictions. You're gonna, why don't we just get some people from other churches? They, they're, they're not dealing with any of that. Wouldn't that be pastor? <coughs> That's a temptation that, uh, uh, that, that pastors face or looking for gimmicks instead of, instead of outreach. And winning souls one by one is, is instead if we had this great program. So all of those are temptations of, of uh, uh, taking a leap from the pinnacle of the, the temple. Let's talk finally about surviving the pinnacle. So the key to surviving those temptations is this. You have to make up your mind whether or not God can be trusted. So you're not getting any attention. Yeah, but God can be trusted. This is really taking time. Yes, but God can be trusted. There are other guys, they're getting ahead of you. But God can be trusted. But, but, but other people are prospering more than you. But God can be trusted. You have to make up your mind uh, uh, about that. God is wiser. He knows what's going to happen. He's ahead of me. And so therefore, even if it's harder and longer, God's plan is going to be better. Any shortcut I take is, going, is not going to be as good as, uh, as God's will. So, why don't you jump from the pinnacle of the temple? Man, people are... Hey, did you see that guy? Man, he was up there. He does this like for parties. You, you can hire him. He'll come and jump. It's like, whoa, dude. You're taking selfies with him. You know, this is the pinnacle jumper, man. Temporarily popular, but your shortcut, actually what God wants, this is the redemption of the world. Bring salvation to others. So, Jesus was looking ahead and he accepted some things. The cross principle. Doing the will of God is sometimes difficult and expensive. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Okay, this is what he challenges his disciples later on. He's, he's teaching them is the will of God is not easy. I'm not, I'm not trying to make it easy. And, and I want to tell you that to, uh, if you feel the, uh, the call of God or you think God has a, has a plan for your life in some way, I'll, I'll be up, up front with you. That it's, not, it's not easy. It's not meant to be. And if you're going to get bummed out because you go, man, this is hard, then you shouldn't do the will of God. You shouldn't, you shouldn't even think about calling because it will be harder than you ever thought in your life. 
more rewarding than you ever thought in your life, but it's stinking hard work. And you've got to face that uh, up front. Then the time prin- principle, Jesus accepted that. I can wait for God. That's, in- that's important. So, in all three of these temptations, relationship with God is crucial. Matthew 4, 7. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Okay. It is written. So, when temptation comes, what you need is not somebody behind you, you know, giving you a shoulder rub. It's like, come on, you can do it. Do the right thing. What you need is you need an internal relationship with God. It's fundamental. I think maybe God has something for my life. Do you have a basic prayer life? And do you read God's Word? Because you cannot have calling without those two things. Everything, they're they're so simple. But out of that, this is what enables you. He spent time with with God. So therefore, there's a, a strength that comes every time you come to prayer or every time you read your Bible you are building something of strength inside you that enables you to do right. It gives you clarity. It's a relationship with God. No, that's a bad idea. And he responds, it is written out of that, if you resist this temptation, flows the grace of God. Matthew 4, 14. I give that to somebody? No? What I'm looking for is he returned in the power of the Spirit, is what it says. So this is after these temptations, is there comes a grace on a, on a disciple's life that he resists some of the temptations we're, we're, we've looked at or going to be looking at. There, there is something supernatural that is at work in their life. And then, of course, that is where effectiveness It's right after this, Jesus begins to minister and he is effective. And he survives his own effectiveness over time. So, that's the second temptation has to do with pinnacle dangers. Let's open for questions. Something that that may trigger in you. Go ahead. Um, what if you've noticed that you have a tendency to do that? When it's, it's time to do something and you just leap. And everybody's like, oh, wow. And find that you don't really have a foundation for the leap that you made. And, and when you say you, you mean I. No, right? I mean me. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, yeah, so everybody has to work out personally. That's the whole point of temptation. This will work out differently in every person's life. So, if your temptation is to do that, the whole point of this is to learn how to say no. Right? To say no to your own destructive tendencies. Right? Everybody has destructive tendencies. For one person, it's drugs and alcohol. For another person, it's, it's pride or, or uh, conflict or impetuous you know, decisions. So the, the whole point of, of being a man and being a man of God is learning to say no. You've got to learn to say no in some certain areas. You'll have to say no until the day you die. Lots of areas of life. And that's a, that is something that fits you for the kingdom of God. You're asking something? I'm, I'm thinking. Oh, you're thinking, okay. Mentioned saying no and being disciplined is that I was going to ask you in, in the area of finances you mentioned also people that you look around everyone's purchasing stuff do you think that's something that 
needs to be adjusted now too well while you're yeah, still being discipled? Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's the... If you, you make it harder on yourself, the, the higher the appetite you have now. Right? So the whole point in pioneering is I say to guys, they, you know, Pastor, there's a... Man, you know, this apartment is not very nice, but I can get this other one, but it's a lot more. And I say, look, when we send guys out, for instance, I say, okay, we'll, we'll give you... We'll pay your rent for three months. So the whole point is the higher your rent, that's just one area, that means then you have to make. If you get rent is $400 more higher because it's a lot nicer place, that means you have to work and get a job generally that demands more of you to make that up. It's going to be much harder for you to, to then be able to do the will of God. So... That this is the problem is there's people that from the, you know, I look at when Lisa and I were married and what we had to, uh, you know, sometimes people today is what they have to have. It's like we couldn't possibly drive that. We couldn't possibly live in that. So they're actually making, if they feel called, they're making their life harder because now their appetites have to, you know, the only way you can match that appetite is you have to be able to make the money to be able to pay that. So, there's a reason why they don't pay people $30 an hour flipping burgers at McDonald's. Right? It's not terribly demanding. Right? They pay minimum wage for jobs that are not demanding. The more money you're going to make, the more they demand. So, that you make life harder by your appetites, yes. So, your your question is yes. Adjusting that now is much wiser <coughs> than adjusting it later. Eli, I've noticed that there's a tendency sometimes to be anxious at other people's success. Yep. Out of insecurity or whatever. Uh, I, and I, I know that there's practical things that I can do in my marriage or in other relationships. To <coughs> practical things that I can do to develop a, a, a right attitude. What are practical ways you can develop a right attitude towards other disciples where you love their success, you long for them to do well, and you're not uh, allowing envy or jealousy to set in? Well, you've, you've heard me preach a, a turning point in my life is when I decided that I would help other men succeed and I would speak well. I would try to build them up instead of tearing them down. Because my tendency, what I wanted to do when I heard it, man, did you hear that guy? He did a great altar call. I, I wanted to say, yeah, but let me tell you about his marriage. He's not very good. You know, I, I wanted to pull him down. And when I said, uh, that's, that's not, this is not good in me. So, I began, I will help you. You want help on your outreach? Who's going to stand up and give the report? You. I'm going to help you. And I'm gonna, I am going to say good things about you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find good things to say about other disciples that, that I thought I was in competition with. So for me, that was, it was like medicine. It was like taking medicine for, you know. Is it, my, my wife's not into medicine. She pulls some great faces. When she pulls faces, that's how it was for me, you know, is, is, is I, I would say, you know, hey, that, so-and-so is a disciple. Man, he did a really good job on that uh, outreach. That was tremendous. But on the inside, my face was going, <laughs> that was nasty. Ooh, that was no fun. So it was good for me. And you did find that it became natural. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. So that's, you know, you just work out it, it, different stages, different levels, different things in life. You have to learn those lessons and work on it again. But, but yes, I, I do believe that God did something in me to where I can rejoice in other people's success. And it's genuine. I'm not still pulling faces at that. Right? Somebody else? Think and think and think. Andy? How do you, um, you talked about shortcuts. How do you dis- discern whether or not a decision might be a shortcut? And um, obviously in, in, a lot of, in a lot of different ways I could apply, but is there something that that you do personally that you can... Well, I, I think the whole, the whole, the nature of the temptation was leap now. So one of the most basic thing you can do is is before important <coughs> decisions, don't don't say yes immediately. Wait. You know what? I'm going to think about that. I'll pray about that. Get back to you. So step back, right? Because some of you, you some of you are in your in your life by nature. Everybody has basic nature that they respond automatically. Some people are pleasers. Right, so their their default is, hey, can you? Yes, I want you. To, yes, yes, and the reason why is there's something in them, is that they, it has nothing to do with what the person wants. It has to do with I want them to think well of me. So that gets people into trouble, right? If you're a pleaser, you're going to struggle in life. Uh, I don't want a man, you know. I don't want them to feel bad. So, people automatically say yes. So, one of the simple ways you can keep from leaping is, wait. I'll pray about that. I won't leap. Yeah, but I need... I'll let you know. So, you learn to resist pressure. So, that, that would be one of the simple ways. Yes, directly based on what he was saying and what you were saying about waiting when people ask questions, I am definitely one of those people who says, yes, absolutely, you know, without even thinking about it. And it has got me in trouble a lot of times. But I've noticed that if I say no, the relationship with that person is highly strained afterwards. Yeah, but anybody, you know, but the, but the rule in life is that any time you saying no to something, if that causes a strain, that's in them, that's not in you. That's their problem, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Right? And so some of those people that you're highly strained because you said no, they need someone to say no to them. Right? That would be healthy in life because they've learned how to pressure and, uh, and to manipulate. So uh, that's, that's the bottom line. Look, to be a man of God, I, I disappoint and irritate numbers of people every week. <laughs> right? you, 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 that's, that's, that's the nature of pastoring. You heard me say, you know, there are guys they can speak he, Hebrew and Greek and all that. A powerful language you have to learn how to speak as a man of God is no, no, I'm not going to let you do that. No, no, I'm. Oh, but Pat, no. So that, if you're not good at that, if you, if I'm pressured, it's like oh, I don't want them to hate me. And and they and they do. That's part of pastoring. Is when you say no, there are people they sit there and they go, 
They mad dog me in church. <laughs> oh well, that, that's that's life. So, but uh, but a simple thing. I mean, it, it, what, it, let's get very practical in, in this. Is I I tell people, there's only 24 hours in a day, right? If you work eight hours a day, so do the math. You cannot say yes to everything. You don't have the time. So it may be that there are lots of there are a lot of possibilities. Sometimes in life you have to pick. You cannot be in a band, drama, plays, children's church, nurse. You can't do everything. It's not possible. So part of that is very practical. So I would rather you choose one and do it well than I'm in 15 things and I kind of suck at them all. <laughs> that's, not, that's not healthy. So, I mean, that's just practical. That's not so... And in that way is, dude, I want you to be my... I, I just can't. No, I, don't, I can't afford the time. Because I've got to be married. I've got to spend time with my kids. I need to spend time with God. I, so if I say yes to everything, something's going to be damaged, right? Pleasers are the ones who get themselves into trouble. Because they, want, they don't want anybody who asks them to be disappointed. So they say yes to everything. See? Good. Good questions.